Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. And welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Donna Pritchard. I'm the pastor appointed to serve this church and this. I'm the Reverend Stan Fowler assisting today. And we are so grateful for Stan's uh, leadership as liturgist and co-celebrant yes. at the table. Thank so thank you. you. And we wanna take a moment also to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. So let's turn around and say hello, good morning and welcome. It is indeed great to be together on this beautiful day, which feels more like spring than winter. And um, just, you know, let's hope that the tulips don't get surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so now my friends, if you would uh, stand in body or in spirit for the call to worship. Have you not known? Our God is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. Have you not heard? God does not faint or grow weary. Have you not known? God's understanding is unsearchable. Have you not heard? God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Have you not known? We come to hear. We come Thanks be to God. Let us worship. And now, my friends, I would like to invite you to fill out the Connect card, which is a QR code in the bulletin, and there are also a few in the pews. It's especially helpful if you have a prayer request. That's a good way to let me know that. And living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we want to begin by reconciling our hearts to God and one another through the passing of the peace. You may share signs of peace with your partner, however the two of you are most comfortable. My friends, the peace of Christ be with you all.
Good morning, children, you can come on up. I see one, one child. We'll include lots of adults this time, yes. There they come. <clears throat> okay, we'll have audience participation, as per usual. Okay, so I want you to show me, with your faces and your bodies, if some of the scenarios I name make you feel calm or worried. So audience, you can practice your worried face. Go. Ooh, very good. Yes, and then your calm face. Mmm, very good. Okay, scenario number one. You just lost your dog. Do you feel calm or do you feel worried? Show me with your face. Yeah, me too. Very worried and a little sad. Okay, playing with your friends. How do you feel? Calm? Happy? Worried? Lots of happiness, lots of happiness. Very good. Okay, eating blueberry pancakes. Mmm. Ooh, yes, I like that face. You're happy about that too. Okay, there's a very strong and violent storm outside, kind of like a tornado almost. Oh, you smiled. <laughs> You're not sure. Do you like thunderstorms? I like thunderstorms too. You know what, when I was growing up and we would spend our summers in Minnesota, whenever there was a major storm, my grandmother would grab the box of chocolates and playing cards and we would go downstairs and we could eat unlimited chocolate. So I feel very happy about thunderstorms. Okay, so today we're talking about Jesus calming the storm. Does anybody know this story? It's kinda, do you wanna share what you know? Not really. Not really, yeah. Okay, so basically what happens is Jesus was on this boat with some fishermen and everything was calm and beautiful and wonderful. And we know that Jesus was human and because he was human, he needed a nap. Does that sound familiar? I need naps sometimes. Oh, you don't like naps. Okay, not everybody likes naps. Okay. Now here's the other part of the story. Because Jesus was God, he was able to calm the storm. So that I can't really relate to. I can relate to the nap, but I can't really relate to the ability to calm the weather. What do you think about that? Sound familiar? A little bit familiar? Okay, so we can't calm the outside storms of our lives, but we can calm the inside storms of our lives. Like, for example, how we talk to ourselves, or, for example, what we choose to focus on. So when we're talking about Jesus calming the storm today, we're going to practice, and adults get to practice too, by doing some mindfulness. We're going to practice what we focus on and do some breathing so that we can calm the inside storms rather than the outside storms that we can't really control. Okay, so this is called rainbow breathing, and if you're in the audience, you can just stay seated, or because we know that you probably need this more than most kids, you can find a little spot standing up in the sanctuary somewhere if you'd like. Kids, go ahead and stand on up, and here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to breathe in the rainbow. So you're going to need a little bit of space because we're going to spread our arms wide. And adults, you can do this from the pews too. And if nothing else, you can just take deep belly breaths, right? So we're going to picture the rainbow. And when we breathe in, we're going to bring all, breathe in all the color and glitter and glimmer of life. And as we breathe out, we're going to let go of all the rest. And we're going to run through the colors. So we're going to run through red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Okay? Deep breaths all together. So we're going to breathe in red. Like we're painting it with our fingers and breathe out. Now orange, breathe in. Thank you, God, for softening our hearts with your light. Amen. Okay, you can come with me to Sunday school if you want.
Amen. I think we could all go home now. I don't know about you, but I've worshiped. Thank you. Thank you. Just a brief word of introduction to the scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, which is believed to have been written by three different authors writing at different times, but with an overarching theme of God's providence and power. Our text for today comes from what scholars call Deutero or Second Isaiah. And it was written at a time when Israel was in exile And the text is meant to give encouragement, and it makes a compelling case for trusting in God's power to fulfill God's promises. Here, the author wants to remind a new generation of the truth of God's relationship with the people, not as something new, but as something long understood and recently forgotten. Have you not known? Have you not heard? These questions lead into one of the most famous and much beloved images of God's sovereignty, promising strength and endurance beyond human capacity. Let's listen now as Rick reads the scripture for us. Good morning, church. My name is Rick McGinnity. Please rise in whatever ways you are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. The people look like mirror ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas for us to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted, they shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. So, who is like me? Who holds a candle to me, says the holy? Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls each by name, so magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one? Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? Who doesn't care what happens to me? Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's the creator 
of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts, for even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. For the word of God in scripture, for the word in God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ, who calls us into community this day. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. The author of Isaiah was, of course, speaking to a people in exile, people who had spent a lot of years 
away from home. They were tired. They were tired of the distance and tired of the longing, tired of not knowing if life would ever return to normal, if they would ever be able to go home again. These were people who had lost pretty much everything they imagined defined their lives. Homes and family and community. Some had even lost their faith and they felt powerless to change anything at all. And then along comes the prophet Isaiah who suggests they all need to wait. Wait? Really? We are tired of waiting. We're tired of waiting for peace to come in a war-torn world. We're tired of waiting for justice to prevail. We're tired of waiting for love and kindness, mercy and grace to finally win the day. And still, Isaiah tells us the answer is to wait on God, to trust God's promises, to place our confidence in God even when we have reason to doubt, to believe God's promises are true even when we have not yet seen them fulfilled. It seems as if the prophet is telling us we need to persevere. The late representative John Lewis is someone who knew what it meant to persevere. In his book, Carry On, he tells this story. One weekend, he said, about 15 of us children in the community were playing in my Aunt Savina's yard when what began as a sunny day turned into a dark one. We heard the rumbling of thunder and then the flash of lightning startled us as the sky was illuminated with bolts. Aunt Seneva gathered all of us children into her small house and we were afraid as the house began to rock from side to side and the floor beneath us started to buckle and to arch. And then the roof above us started to lift as the storm was quite literally pulling the house up. Now thinking quickly, Aunt Seneva told us to all hold hands and walk toward the corner of the room that was rising. This had the effect of weighing down this part of the house and keeping it grounded. When another corner began to lift, we walked to that corner to use our weight as a counterbalancing force. Wherever the house rocked, we had faith in each other, that we could keep it under control and that the higher power would protect us. We were walking with the wind. Well, time and again, the biblical witness reminds us that waiting on the Lord is not a passive endeavor best accomplished all alone. Rather, 
To trust in God's promises invites us, even propels us into community, where together we can take action and we can become a counterbalancing force against whatever seeks to unbalance us or lift us away from the ground of our being. Lewis goes on to comment on his story. He says, I think this is a metaphor for how we live in the world today. Whenever the house of America is rocked or roiled by injustice, we have to join together as one, hold each other's hands, hold tight, and have faith that our collective and conscious action will secure this part of the house for the moment and for the future. You know, there are always storms. We have been called to walk in their direction. Atticus Finch, the protagonist in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, poses a great question for us this morning when he says, what good are wings without the courage to fly? As we wait for God's promises, as we trust in God's presence and power, we have to be willing to use the wings God has given us the wings of collective and conscious action, the wings of perseverance and hope, the wings of Christian community. I'll never forget my one venture into halibut fishing in Southeast Alaska. Now hold on, it's gonna make sense eventually. You see, I was on my way out of the Great Land to attend seminary in Denver. And I had caught the Alaska State Ferry in Skagway and then stopped for a couple of days to visit friends in Sitka. And it was those friends who took me fishing for halibut and provided me with an amazing memory. You see, we did not catch a single halibut. We caught a lot of rock cod, which were delicious, and a lot of other not-so-desirable fish. But what we really caught was the amazing sight of bald eagles. The eagles literally filled the trees at the shore of the bay. And every time one of our lines would catch one of those not-so-desirable fish, The captain would take them off the hook and throw them up into the air. And before the fish even hit the water, the eagles would come in and grab them and then take them off to their nests to dine. It was amazing. I thought of those eagles, see now here's where it's coming back around, (laughs) when I read the passage from Isaiah today. I thought of them them soaring majestically and powerfully through the air, and I thought of their nests. You've probably seen eagles' nests, maybe up here in the Skagit Valley. They are huge things, 
some five or six feet in diameter and two to four feet deep. And these nests are built of sticks and branches high up in the fir trees. And I'm told that in the center of the nests, there would be soft things like leaves and grass and moss, things that would protect the eggs and would comfort the young eagles when they hatched. But you know what? Here's the thing about eagles and their nests. When the young birds are old enough to take their first flight, they're still pretty comfortable there in the nest until the parent birds start removing some of that soft, comfortable material bit by bit. The leaves and the grass and the moss go away until all that is left are the sharp edges of sticks and branches. Finally, the nest becomes too uncomfortable for the young ones to stay put. And so they risk the next step in their life journey. They find the courage to use the wings God has given them, and they fly. It seems to me that the church has too often been imagined as a safe, soft, comfortable nest for faith. Yet it was never meant to be a once and forever resting place where nothing ever changes or challenges. God is forever nudging us close to the edge of our nest, inviting us and encouraging us to find the courage to fly into deeper discipleship and greater relationship with Christ. And you know, even in the church, there are always storms. The trick is to remember to walk in their direction. There is a reading often attributed to Oscar Romero, which may help us in that remembering. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise of God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. 
We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of, real, of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are the workers, not master builders. We are ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. My friends, when we wait, actively, faithfully, hopefully, collectively, and consciously, when we do that kind of waiting on God, even we find the courage to fly. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we come into a time of prayer, I would invite you to take a look at the prayer list printed in the bulletin. We'll take a few moments in silence to give you an opportunity to lift these persons and situations and those closest to your own hearts this day. Let us pray. Loving God, today we confess that we often live as those who have never heard of you. We plan and strategize as though the outcome depended solely upon us. We worry and fret like those who have no advocate. Forgive us, God, for the scheming and conniving we do to make sure that we have our own way. Forgive us, God, for grasping at power when you are the power, for seeking glory when all glory belongs to you, for not leaning upon you when we feel weak or powerless or alone. Forgive us, God, for relying upon ourselves when we should turn to you. Teach us how to live more like those who belong to you and less like those who belong to the world. Give us the courage to use the wings you have given to us, the wings of community, of collective and conscious action, that we might wait actively, hopefully, and faithfully for the fulfilling of your promises. In the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. As you know, we are about in the middle of this year's annual fund drive, or otherwise known as stewardship campaign. So now more than ever, we want to hear a word from Diana Nielsen. Good morning, church. I gotta say, everything I plan to say has already been sung about <laughs> or preached about. But I'm gonna say it anyway, because, well, it helps to hear it from a lot of different voices. 
So as I've been preparing these words, I was thinking on last year's stewardship campaign, which was a year and a couple of months ago. Our theme was all hands on deck. And I gave another one of these talks and I was looking at what I wrote. And I was talking about how our little ship of the church had gotten so beat up and blown off course and battered by the storm of the pandemic. And I was talking about how much we needed to pull together to rebuild our church, our programs, our systems, and our congregation. Well, look at us now. Over a year later, and how much has changed, and how much has been accomplished. We have better organizational structures and systems in place, especially our financial systems. Our governing structure is under review and some revision. We've been through a church-wide strategic planning process, and now plans are coming together for the next five years. Our children and our youth program is considered our number one priority, and lots of changes and plans are coming together, and new families are coming almost every week. We are coming back stronger. Former members are returning, new people coming, and most of all, our relationships are coming back together and growing, and we are, ha we are having important conversations together about who we are and what our future is. One thing I love about the United Methodist Church is that all are welcome at the table. And I like to think of Jesus setting before us an amazing banquet where there's a place for everyone. And I also imagine Jesus saying, okay, Edmonds, it's time for a bigger table. You are about to grow. You need room for more people, and they may not look like what you've been used to. You may have people coming from different parts of the world, different cultures, and different backgrounds. So get ready, because I know, this is Jesus talking, I know there are people in your community who are hungering for a place at this table. They are hungering to be a part of something bigger, a part of something more meaningful, who are tired of the stress and loneliness of going it alone, who want to practice more kindness, more compassion and service. And Edmonds, says Jesus, these people have gifts to offer to the church as well. So they need you, and you need them. Because the times are changing, and we need 
each other now more than ever to work together to, be, to build the kingdom of God on this earth. So this is me speaking. So church, now more than ever, we as a community need to build that bigger table. And if we're going to do that, we need resources and volunteers and all helping hands. We need to bring new families into the church, more elders, more young adults, and children, especially the children who need a program and a church community that will help them build a spiritual foundation for the rest of their lives. It's tough being a teenager now. And if they're grounded in faith and hope in these early years, well, they'll rise up on ego wings as well and fly through those rough teenage years. So we are looking to hire a new youth director to lead our teenage youth programs. We have new staff positions that are in the budget for the coming year. Cost of living raises for our current staff members who work so hard on our behalf. We have things in mind for the next five years that need funding. So now, more than ever, we can combine our little tiny limited resources. When we put them together, we can do great things. So let's make sure our banquet table is big enough welcoming enough, inclusive enough, and rich in love and goodwill so we can all feast on God's rich bounty that awaits us. If you don't have a pledge form, let's get to the practical parts now. If you don't have a pledge form, there are some on the table uh, where we are doing the signups for adult programs. You can get one there. Or you can get one online, print it off, fill it out. Bring it back to the church on Giving Sunday, which is February 18th. Our goal is a little, our goal is a little over $1.2 million. But really, it's OK if we raise more than that. <laughs> and since I'm standing here, I'm going to make a quick plug for the uh, registration for the adult spiritual formations. Wednesday is the deadline. So you can sign up um, on the forms at the back table. That includes our small group ministry and our um, social justice programs as well, our advocacy programs. There's so many wonderful offerings and a great way to get connected to the church. Thank you for listening. Amen.
As we gather at this table to offer our lives to God and to receive God's life for us, we begin by saying a prayer that is traditionally known as the Great Thanksgiving. In fact, Holy Communion has often been called Holy Eucharist. Eucharist is the Greek word for an offering of thanksgiving. So I trust that as you come forward today, uh, you'll be thinking of what are you thankful to God for? What are you offering in thanksgiving to him? Now every Sunday, when we come here and place our offering in the plate or online, we're doing the same thing. We're expressing our thanksgiving for what God has given us. My wife, Jean, and I are very thankful for this congregation. We have been here now for a little over 10 years. We've found it to be a place of spiritual strength and support. But most important of all, all four of our grandchildren find it as a place of spiritual nurture and growth. And so when we put our offering in the plate, we are especially giving thanks for that. So I invite you to place your offering today in thinking of what you are especially thankful for. For those who are giving online, you may give in two ways. Online at edmondsumc.org give or by sending a check via mail to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington. Let us with gladness and thanksgiving present the offerings of our life and our labor unto God.
Bless, O oh God, these gifts that they may be used to strengthen this congregation and its witness to your love and justice in the world. Amen. So friends, as we prepare to come to the table together, we're not gonna need to recite the Lord's Prayer again. <laughs> My mistake. Uh, so just be aware that when we get to that part of the liturgy, we're gonna just remember that we've already prayed it. <laughs> Let us offer our life to God. God is with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to God. Let us lift them up to our Lord God. And let us it's good and beautiful to give God our praise. God of love, we give you thanks for you create the world as a flowering of your goodness. You set free the oppressed and heal the broken. You walk with us in new directions healed, made new, and full of your light. Your mercy flows freely, and we open ourselves to its light. We hunger for your grace and feast on your generosity. Therefore, with all creation, we sing your praise. Holy, 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 holy one, God, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is our brother Jesus, who walks with us the road of our world's suffering and who is known to us in the breaking of bread. On the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his friends, saying, this is my body given for you. In the same way, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them to drink, saying, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sin and the wholeness of life. As often as you drink of it, remember me. Send, O oh God, your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, and we who shall receive them, may they become for us your body, vibrant with your life, healing, renewing, and making us whole. Amen. I would invite the servers to come up at this time. And after the servers have been fed, then we would invite all persons to come forward as the ushers indicate. We are communing by intinction, which means you'll be given a piece of bread to dip into the cup. We do have gluten-free bread available, which will be available in the center of the aisle.
Let us join together in the prayer after receiving. Gracious God, we thank you for this mystery in which you give yourself to us. As we have been filled with your love, help us to share love with all your world. In the name of Christ, amen. Now, my friends, I have just a couple of announcements that I want to draw to your attention. We'll do this quickly. Uh, first of all, this is not in the bulletin, but many of you have told me that you got an email from me asking you to buy some gift cards. That's a scam. I want you to hear this clearly. No one in the church will ever send you a request like that through email. Did y'all hear that? It's never going to happen. And uh, if you look carefully, you'll notice it didn't even come from my email address. So <clears throat> please spread the word for those. We're going to send out an email tomorrow that alerts people to this, that it was a scam. And thank you for those of you who let me know, and also those who said, hey, I am not going to do this. <laughs> because we would much rather have your money come to the pledge campaign <laughs> than to some nefarious uh, character. OK, so today is the last uh, session of the Environmental Eating for Everyone. And it will take place in the library today after worship. And um, Diana already mentioned the adult spiritual formation signups. You can find those in the Narthex. Also, you can go online and sign up if you would like to do that. Um, Ash Wednesday is coming up on the 14th of February. You'll want to make a note to be present in worship that evening for that, um, which uh, Reverend Stan is going to lead for us in my absence. Um, I am going to be on vacation for about 10 days, um, starting at 5 o'clock tonight when I get on a plane for Maui. <laughs> so. <laughs> God bless you. I'll be thinking of all of you. <laughs> and um, I want to let you know that next week there will be a fabulous guest preacher. So I really hope that you'll make every effort to be here. Uh, it's the Reverend David Valera. Uh, David is the Director of Connectional Ministries for the Pacific Northwest Annual Conference. He's very creative and a great preacher and a good friend of mine, and I've promised him a great congregation. So please be here. I will appreciate it. Let's stand now for the closing hymn.
my friends, let us go out into all God's world, trusting in God's promises, finding the courage to use the wings God has given us to wait upon the Lord. And may the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen. 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 Yeah. Um.